You are listening to Natural Born Alchemist. Welcome to episode number 130 of the Natural Born Alchemist podcast. My name is Alex and I'll be your host. In this episode, my guest is a witch by the name of Vanessa Irina. She is also a musician, multimedia artist and occultist living in Brooklyn, New York. Vanessa is one of the founders of New Jack Witch. The mission statement of New Jack Witch is, and I quote, The belief and mission that magic is our birthright and should be accessible and available to all who seek it as a tool of self-empowerment, self-knowledge and service. We believe that magic is a living and ever-evolving tradition that is both a practice and a worldview and as such should be celebrated and, and explored through multimedia and throughout all aspects of culture, music, art, fitness, health and wellness, fashion, performance, events, classes and writing. Check it out at newjackwitch.com and all the additional links mentioned in this episode will also be available in the program notes on naturalbornalchemist.com. Okay, so thanks for being on the podcast. Thank you for having me. So who are you and what do you do? Okay, um, my name is Vanessa and I am a practicing witch. Uh, I'm a third of a collective uh, called New Jack Witch that I founded with my husband, Russ, and a friend of ours named Shanda. And basically, uh, we started it to sort of um, just uh, give a platform to people in the occult community and people making culture that were occult, that's occult related to just sort of share the things that we were interested in and to sort of um, make uh, people that were doing interesting things uh, sort of accessible to other people and share what they were doing and that sort of thing. So for those listeners who are not aware, can you describe what a witch is if they have the stereotypical idea of what a witch is? Okay, um, I don't know if it's something that has a universal definition, um, but to me, um, it's someone that uh, practices folk magic, and uh, there's a lot of practices that I sort of incorporate with witchcraft. Um, so, you know, folk magic is one, um, you know, uh, things like spirit contact, um, working with plants, working with the spirits of plants, um, uh, you know, obviously doing spells, um, working with herbs, um, make working with herbal medicine, um, and then, you know, things like more sort of unsavory things like um, necromancy and uh, cursing and hexing can also be a part of that as well. But um, I guess the main sort of the main uh, the main practices for me are things like spirit contact and working with spirits and deities and ancestors and working with nature. You use the word witch, but some people use the word Wiccan. What's the difference do you see a difference? Um, well, the sort of the most uh, standard answer that people give to that question is that a that witchcraft is a practice and Wicca is a religion, but it's it's definitely a lot more complicated than that. Um, 
Wicca is a, a specific path of witchcraft that was founded by Gerald Gardner. And there's, you know, certain practices that are involved with that and certain um, it's a, you know, there's a certain worldview associated with that. Um, it's uh, Wicca is not something that I practice, so I'm probably not the best person to speak on that. But witchcraft is a sort of more broad term that encompasses uh a whole range of practices and Wicca is a subset of a practicing witch, I guess is probably a good way to put it. Not to put it down, but Wicca has always, I always have the impression it's a bit more fluffy than compared to witchcraft. It's a bit more uh, new agey. Um, it can be, uh, it depends, you know, I mean, I, uh, I know a lot of, uh, Wiccans that, you know, have a really deep practice. I think that, um, you know, uh, a lot of people sort of just kind of get the surface level of what Wicca is about and sort of can dismiss it based on that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it definitely has that reputation. Um, it's, you know, again, I'm not in, an expert in Wicca, so I can't really speak to that so much, but it definitely has that reputation. But I think that uh, for people that get more deeply into Wicca, it's maybe, it's not necessarily uh, founded. So how do you see this thing with uh, white and dark magic? Um, I personally think that terms like black magic and white magic are not really something that are necessarily relevant. Um, I think that they're sort of uh, associated with um, a more like a religious dogma. And it's not something that I personally think uh, is really relevant to the practice of witchcraft today. I think that um, there's a lot of people that uh, practice magic that um, focus their practice around what, you know, so so-called uh, white magic only. And, you know, one of my favorite phrases sort of in witchcraft is a witch that cannot hex cannot heal. And so I think that, you know, an all around practice uh, includes both light and dark. And I think that the lines between the two are more gray in general, because I think that there's this idea that you can practice magic that will not affect other people or will not, you know, go against their will or that sort of thing. And I think that that is sort of um, based in uh, sort of a misunderstanding or a misinterpretation misinter of how magic works in a lot of ways, because I feel like you can't do magic that's not going to affect other people. You know, everyone's always, everyone's doing magic all the time and every, everything that we do affects other people. And so to pretend otherwise is to sort of do a disservice to the ways that magic works. For people who are not that knowledgeable about witchcraft, they would view necromancy as something very dark and evil. But they also forget that Jesus was the greatest necromancer that ever lived because he raised people from the dead. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. In your case, you mentioned necromancy. So what uh, is your experience with that? My experience with necromancy is uh, it's basically just spirit contact, but in, in um, you know, spirit contact with the dead. And so for me, that um, plays out as uh, ancestor work. So, I mean, I maintain a regular ancestor altar and maintain contact with my ancestors, um, you know, uh, for other people that can involve. And I also um, I also work with uh, a number of saints as well. So, I mean, you can decide, you know, some people believe that 
the saints actually existed. Some some people believe that they are, you know, sort of archetypes or um, sort of more folkloric. But um, basically, I mean, it 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 basically is just about uh, contact with the dead and working with the dead. But um, when uh, uh, when you contact other entities, isn't that also called thergy? Um. Yes. Well, that's uh, theurgy is 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 uh, is more. I believe you know working with deities. I see. So it's a different when it's just normal people who's passed away. So how come you know? I mean, I'm sure. I mean, you mentioned your husband and that, but generally, uh, witchcraft is a female practice. So, so how come? Well, how come it's like that? Is it? Uh, uh, is it just a cultural thing that men don't? It, it feels weird for them to call themselves a witch because it's so connected with a woman. Um, it is in some ways. You know, a lot of you know initially. Um, you know, the term witch was you know mostly associated with women because, um, you know, witchcraft was sort of associated with sort of low magic and then male magic, you know, um, uh, the male counterpart to that was sort of like what was considered high magic, like things like ceremonial magic and that sort of thing. And it became, you know, it was, it was sort of a derogatory thing. Um, but I think that, you know, I, I know a plenty of male witches and, you know, the practice is somewhat different, but I think it's similar to, um, I'm trying to figure out <laughs> the way to ex- to explain it. Um, you know, I know I know several. Uh, I know, like for example, um, one of my teachers, uh, Storm Fairy Wolf. He uh, he basically p- practices witchcraft, but he identifies as a warlock. And um, so, you know, it just it just uh, it just basically um, depends on how you identify. I mean, you know, some of uh, you know one of my uh, one uh, person that I admire very much is uh, Peter Gray, who wrote the book uh, Apocalyptic Witchcraft, and he absolutely identifies as a witch. So, I mean, I know several men that identify as as witches, and I think that, um, you know, it just depends. I mean, like, uh, you know, I have other male, uh, I know other male occultists that identify as sorcerers and others that identify as wizards. I think it's, you know, at this point in time, it's sort of more of a personal choice and less based in, uh, you know, the original intention of what the words were meant, were meant to be. Yeah. I imagine originally they used that word to describe who's going to get burned. (laughs) So basically isn't the witchcraft, the, Western world's version of uh, shamanism. Yeah, it is in a lot of ways. And, um, you know, there are, there's a lot of crossover between um, shamanism and uh, and witchcraft, mostly in, in terms of working with spirits and, and working with the spirit world. You know, their relationship with the spirit world is similar in a lot of ways. And I do think that witchcraft is a form of shamanism in a lot of ways. Have you ever, what's your, you mentioned one person's name, but what other influences do you have when it comes to witchcraft? What can people look into if they're interested? Um, my, probably one of my favorite practicing witches today is a woman named Sarah Ann Lawless. And she has a blog 
uh, just at sarahannlawless.com. And she's written, uh, she, ha- she, uh, she runs a company called Fern and Fungi and she sells herbal medicine and that sort of thing. And she lives in um, Canada. And uh, so she has a ton of published work on her blog and you can learn a lot about witchcraft from her. And then another, I mentioned Peter Gray as well. He has a fantastic book called Apocalyptic Witchcraft. And then as far as uh, people practicing with uh, just magic in general, uh, Devin Hunter is another one of my teachers and he has a book called um, The Witch's Book of Power. That's very good. And then um, his partner, Storm Fairy Wolf, also just wrote a book recently about the fairy tradition of witchcraft um, called Betwixt and Between. And um, and then in terms of just uh, people that practice magic but that don't identify as witches, uh, probably my two uh, greatest teachers have been uh, a man named Jason Miller, who's written several books. And he also runs a course called strategic sorcery. That's fantastic. Um, and then Gordon white, who is a chaos magician who runs a blog called rune soup. And he's also written several books. So those are probably my, you know, biggest sort of idols and influences within my magical practice. So all those are uh, fairly contemporary though. Contemporary. Do you have any like older um, well, I mean, someone like Paul Hussan, who wrote Mastering Witchcraft, who's a little bit older. Um, and then, you know, beyond that, I mean, the magical texts that I work that I look work at are much, much older. So for example, like, something like the Greek magical papyri or the Higromantia, which are really sort of older grimoires. Um, I've also read some, you know, in terms of traditional witchcraft, um, Uh, Robert Cochran is a good person. Uh, Dorian, Dorian Valiente and Dion Fortune are people that I've read and have studied. Uh, A lot of my research comes from just reading folk tales as well and studying folk tales. So how is it, I mean, to, to live as a witch in America, who's, you know, it's fairly Christian society. Does, is it a conflict these days or is it so open now that doesn't really matter? Um, it's pretty open, you know, I mean, I'm lucky, uh, it's, you know, witchcraft has become, uh, it's becoming a lot more popular, um, that, you know, the forms that are, that are becoming the most popular are maybe a, a bit watered down for my taste, but in general, it's becoming more just common. Um, you know, it's not something that I would probably, you know, have a conversation with my coworkers about or something like that. But, you know, I'm, you know, I'm obviously, obviously you were able to find me on the internet and then see that I'm a practicing witch. So I'm able to be fairly open about it without much problem. I, many years ago, I was a foreign, foreign exchange student in Oklahoma. And I would not have mentioned I was a witch if I lived in that state. (laughs) Yeah, it just depends on where you are. I mean, I live in New York City, so uh, it's a, you know, it's a pretty progressive place. And then I also, I grew up in New Orleans, Louisiana, and that's a place where magic is pretty celebrated and practiced openly. Yeah, that's interesting. Then I can ask you, because I always wondered, I've never been there, but my impression of of that city is it's, you know, it's very uh, voodoo and witchcrafty. And it's also the one that's most similar in vibe to Europe in it's, it's got this uh, I mean of, in all of the United States it's the one that feels has the most ancient culture for some reason why is that what's the source of this um I mean I think that you know a lot of it is um 
is there was a lot of, you know, a lot of French and Spanish influence, you know, and, um, and I think that, you know, I think that a place that had, well, you mean, do you mean why is it uh, European, so European or? No, I mean, why has it become such a voodoo witchcrafty kind of place? Honestly, I think that, um, I think, well, I think that it's, you know, um, it's obviously like, you know, there's a huge influence from African traditional re- uh, religions, which goes back to slavery, obviously. Um And so that's a big part of it. But I also think that um, cities that sort of have kind of a lot of spiritual energy tend to attract a lot of spiritual practitioners. You know, I think that um, there's something that underlying that just sort of attracts people to certain places. And then that, you know, that energy brings more practitioners and then that gets fed on and then it just sort of like goes from there. Um, it's always just been sort of a really deeply spiritual place. It's very haunted as well. Um, and it's just a place where that sort of thing has just had the right, it's, it's become part of the culture. And so it's, it allows that those practices and that culture to thrive within the city. How, how is the city now after the hurricane? Has it uh, come back? It has, um, you know, it took a while, uh, you know, a couple of, you know, for the first couple of years afterwards, it was pretty desolate, you know, um, but then a lot of people moved there to sort of help with the relief effort. And then a lot of them sort of really ended up loving the city and decided to stay. And so that uh, brought in a lot of people. And, you know, it's, it's, it's not the same, obviously, because it's just different now. But I mean, I feel like it's, it's pretty back to normal in general. I mean, you know, like the people are back mostly, and, you know, it feels the same. Luckily, a lot of the uh, more historical parts of the city are very sort of raised, um, above sea level. So they did not, they did not see a lot of destruction as far as the hurricane goes. And so that was good. Um, but I feel like, you know, it's pretty, it's back to its old self, you know, it's been, you know, over 10 years now. So, so I guess you see witchcraft more as a way of life than like a religion. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it's part of having a magical worldview in general. Um, So, I mean, that's kind of why uh, we started New Jack Witch, because we felt like um, because we felt that magic is not just something that you do. It's something that you live. And so we wanted to explore the ways that magic intersects with things like art and music and culture and that sort of thing, because I think that... um, the onus is sort of on witches and magicians to create culture and to create better culture. Um, you know, we live in a very sort of like disenchanted world in a lot of ways. Um, you know, uh, the general sort of worldview of most of the world is sort of scientific materialism. And so, you know, we want to kind of just bring magic back. And, uh, I think that we're seeing sort of like, um, a magical renaissance going on at the time at right now. And so um, we're sort of just interested in, you know, the different ways that magic can be brought into sort of every aspect of life. So things like even like fitness and, you know, movies and, and television and that sort of thing, as well as just the pr- actual practice of magic. 
Can you make like a, uh, a voodoo doll of Donald Trump? <laughs> <laughs> I think a lot of people have been already, actually, probably much better than I could do. I've been seeing a lot of pictures of them online. But for people who, you know, when you say what what actually is magic, you know, I mean, the you know, it's not an illusion because like a car trick, that's not magic. So what is magic? How would you define what magic is? Um, there's a million different definitions. Uh, like one of the definitions is, you know, the Crowley, Alistair Crowley definition, which is basically the art of making change in the world according to your will. Um, for me, the, the, probably the best and most useful definition that I've heard of magic, uh, is, comes from Gordon White, which is that magic is probability enhancement. So basically, um, it's the it's a basically like a way of increasing the odds of what you want to happen in the world through different actions that you take. And is it like the 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 closer the thing is, it's the easier it is to change than I mean like world peace is more difficult to make a spell for, I imagine. Exactly, because I mean part of the like part of the um part of the process of deciding a magical target, for example, is to sort of assess what your sphere of influence is. So for example, um, you know, one example that Gordon White gives is that basically uh, if you do a spell to win the lottery, you can increase, you know, so, and your, say your chance is like one in a million of winning the lottery. Well, you can do magic and it might increase your chances from one in a million to one in you know, 50,000, but you're still probably not going to win the lottery. So that's not really the best target, for example. Or, you know, if I'm, you know, a ballerina, I can't, if I do a spell to become a doctor and I haven't actually like gone to medical school or whatever, it's probably not going to work out. <laughs> but, you know, I can do a spell to get a raise at my job or, you know, to get, get free you know, free samples or, you know, stuff like that, like things that are more sort of within your sphere. And so you can pick sort of smaller things to work on that will eventually build into bigger and bigger things. I believe that you can like change your immediate reality with your mind, the, 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 depending on what outlook you have. Like, for instance, to simplify, if you are negative, things will go worse for you than if you are positive. So that's why I think sometimes uh, praying can help because you are forcing your mind to to think about what you're praying for. So isn't you, isn't magic like when you do witchcraft just a f uh, taking the prayer and like uh, drawing uh, something or doing a, a spell more physically but really if you break it down it, it's just a prayer of some sort. Yeah, I mean, you can definitely think of it that way for sure. You know, it's, it's as a form of prayer, absolutely. Um, you know, I mean, not everyone would would agree with that, obviously, because prayer has you know sort of religious connotations. I mean, for me, it doesn't bother me, but not everyone uh, sees witchcraft through a religious lens. But I mean, I could, I, I think that you could absolutely see it that way for sure. Yeah, but you can pray to you can pray to a flower. <laughs> I mean, you can pray to anything. So, so is there, I mean, uh, witchcraft is a bit like Buddhism. It doesn't really have a, uh, 
a specific book or a specific god or something like that but is there some general uh, belief of some sort um i mean not really <laughs> you know i mean it's basically just uh the only really belief or faith um involved is that magic works you know is that is that magic is real and that you have the ability to, to do it but that's the only thing that you you know, have to sort of start with, and then you kind of go from there. You know, I mean, there's really no central dogma to the practice of magic at all. And I think that that's one of the things about it that's good in a lot of ways, because, you know, everyone's different. And so everyone's practice is going to be different. And something that works for me is not necessarily going to work for you. And because magic is something that's sort of mysterious, and, and we don't really know how it works, um, there is no way to sort of boil it down to this or that. My impression of of uh, witchcraft and Wiccan as well is that it's it's you know it's about a lot of about spirits and and energies and things like that, and it's it's, it's quite positive and you know it's it's a lot about uh, you know the positive aspect of existence like shamanism where it's like nature is alive and all these things so then i always thought it was funny that contemporary people who 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 do these techniques they're always appearing like black and dark and it's it looks more sinister than it actually is why 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 is the the costume like on the dark side but it's really a, a lot of work with the light Um, I mean, I think it's both, you know, I mean, I obviously, you know, there's a sort of uh, a a certain fashion that's associated with the occult, and it tends to be somewhat dark. But I think that that's just more of a superficial thing. And I know plenty of people that practice magic that you would never know it, you know, walking down the street. I mean, I think it's just a personal choice, really. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's definitely become sort of a fashion thing, you know, and um, but at the same time, like, you know, there is, uh, I mean, part of witchcraft, you know, and part of the history of witchcraft is sort of uh, is 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 basically a witch is kind of like an other, you know, it's the it's the other it's the outcast. And I think that there's sort of there's power in that archetype. And so, um, you know, and and reclaiming it can have power for people, um, especially uh, the negative connotations of, of a witch that that were very um, misogynistic. You know, um, basically like a witch was, you know, considered to be like an ugly old hag that lived in the woods and wore all black and all that sort of thing. And I think that like um, reclaiming that archetype as a woman can have power in a lot of ways. So, I mean, I, it, you know, it just depends and it, it's, it really is just a personal choice, you know, like there's plenty of people that practice magic and you would never know it, you know, and other people, you know, tend to want to, you know, dress a certain way to reflect that, you know, it just, it really just depends on the person. And a lot of people that sort of, you know, a- affect the sort of like witch fashion thing are not practicing witches at all. They just think it's, cool to dress that way you know it just depends on the person really you make music also and i thought we were going to listen to a a track uh, called mother can you talk a bit about that and and about that musical project yeah um so basically um i started my uh, solo project about a year ago and 
essentially what I wanted to do was um, I basically wanted to make music about witchcraft and music about my spiritual practice. And I found a lot of the sort of pagan music that exists, not really to my taste. Um, a lot of it is sort of very uh, folk music-y and that sort of thing. And that's just not something that really resonated with me. And so um, I wanted to make music that uh, that resonated with me, but that also reflected my own, my practice. And so um, part of, and part of my practice uh, is, is uh, dance and ecstatic dance. And so I wanted to make music that would serve as music for uh, for ecstatic dance and would also um, serve as, you know, a ritual music as well as uh, almost also as a, a function as a spell as well. So the track Mother I created was basically bent to serve as a purification ritual. And it's very, um, you know, sort of dark and it's electronic and um, sort of industrial and bodily and just because, and, and the reason I created it that way is because that's just the kind of music that I personally like to dance to the most. And so that's kind of just how it came out. But um, I just really didn't feel like there was people making music about spirituality that sounded like that. And so that's just something that I wanted to, to create.
there's one thing I, I've, I've read online. I'm, I'm not. Sh- I don't know how much tr- truth there is to it, but I found it very interesting. And that's like um, uh, there's something called the witch's brew, which is um, a, a mixture of uh, belladonna, mandrake, and a few other herbs that create a very powerful hallucinogenic, and um, it absorbs through the skin. And uh, apparently. Uh, uh, it absorbs the best through the genitals. So there is this theory that the reason witches fly on brooms is because th- they rubbed it on a stick to get... They f- they were actually flying in a trip, but, you know, if you put it together, it's flying on a broom. What do you think about this? Um, okay, so, well, actually, the bre- the best person to, uh, to learn about flying ointments from is uh, Sarah Ann Lawless, who I mentioned before. Um, she has recreated many... She spent, like, about 10 years uh, studying and recreating those recipes. And I don't... I mean, I don't know how much truth there is to the... I mean, I know that, that, uh, that a lot of people believe that's where the flying on the broomstick thing comes from. Um, I don't know if they actually put them on their genitals because the 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 ingredients in the flying ointments are actually poisonous. And so that uh, would be really dangerous. But maybe they did it. I don't know. <laughs> but um, I base like but she actually creates uh, flying ointments using a lot of those uh, ingredients. So I actually have some of hers one uh, one of belladonna and another one of mandrake. And, um, basically a flying ointment is a hallucinogenic ointment that it's basic that's used for, to create, um, sort of, uh, they have, you know, sort of, uh, hallucinogenic, hallucinogenic effects. Um, they can use to achieve trance states to, um, for things like lucid dreaming, um, soul flight and that sort of thing. And so I've used them and they're awesome, (laughs) but, um, yeah. So, I mean, those, those substances were absolutely used and that was the basis. That's the basis for the ointments that she makes personally. And she's the person I know that, um, sort of knows the most about that. So if, Flying ointments is something that people are interested in. I would absolutely look up her blog for sure. I always think there is some truth in all stereotypes, even though it's been distorted. So what about this uh, black cat that witches always have? Um, I mean, there's a history of witches having familiars, which are basically like companion animal spirits. Um, And so, I mean, that's, you know... Absolutely. There's absolutely truth to that. Um, I don't know why black cats specifically. I think that cats in general are sort of like very spiritual animals that have a lot of intuition. Like I know a lot of people that I'm personally allergic to cats, so I don't have one, unfortunately. But um, a lot of people I know that have cats, um, whenever they're doing any kind of ritual, the cat will just come and they always just come running and want to be part of it and hang around and stuff like that. So um, I, I think that there's there's a lot of truth to that. And I think that in general, there's a lot of truth um, just within folktales as well, which is why I, you know, I read and study them. Um, I think that there's a lot of sort of like secrets hidden in them as to like how to contact the spirit world, how to interact with the spirit world and that sort of thing. So if you can just sort of pick the nuggets of truth out, then, you know, you can learn a lot that way. I almost think that's the the worst thing when they were burning all those witches is they act, they also threw in like millions and millions of cats and they were like, well, it, I mean, the witches were innocent as well, but at least they, they knew what they were doing, that it was, but the cats were 
completely innocent because they were just living, you know, they were just being in the wrong place in the wrong time. Um, but um, uh, what you said about reading the folklore and that, I guess you can look at all even, because I've started uh, looking, if you look at the Bible that way, you can also see it in a new light if you if you try to take away all the pol- politi- political human uh, stuff that they've put into it and, and just look at the core essence, then it's a completely different book. Yeah, I mean, I know a lot of uh, people that practice magic that studied the Bible and have like a very good working knowledge of the Bible. Um, one of the things Peter Gray said uh, was that the witch's Bible is the Bible. So, and I thought that that was really fascinating because it's basically, um, you know, like, you know, you can read about a lot, you know, a lot of the, the, the miracles and, and those sorts of things that happen can be considered works of magic. A lot of people consider Jesus to be a sorcerer, um, you know, and there's a, a lot of just different, uh, a lot of uh, information about magic and the practice of magic that can come out of the Bible as well. Um, you know, uh, especially in things like revelation, um, the, you know, uh, about Babylon, uh, Peter Gray actually also wrote a book about Babylon called the red goddess. That's really good. Um, so yeah, there's plenty, there's plenty to, to find, to like glean from the Bible. If you can sort of like detach yourself from the, religious undertones of it jesus even did like unnecessary party tricks i think (laughs) yeah (laughs) is there uh, is there any of all the religions like buddhism or any all of any of them that uh, you think fit best with your practice or or do you just do your own thing um i actually uh when i first started um you know getting sort of serious about my spirituality i initially started um I initially studied Buddhism and yoga, and I think that there's, you know, practices within Buddhism, Buddhism and yoga that are absolutely, um, you know, helpful and also, uh, you know, it also work, work hand in hand with the practice of magic. I, I mean, if you can, I mean, pretty much any religion has uh, magical practices within it. Um, one of the people I mentioned, Jason Miller, who's a sorcerer, uh, studied Buddhism for many years and, uh, Buddhist magic. Um, so, you know, I mean, I think that like most, uh, people that practice magic today sort of have a very syncretic tradition, whereas where, you know, they study different traditions and, you know, incorporate things that are, that are, that work for them. So, I mean, meditation, for example, for me is a big part of my practice. Um, you know, I think that the, the, the important thing when studying other traditions is obviously to approach them with respect and to learn them fully instead of just kind of picking and choosing whatever works and not really, uh, you know, learning them in a, in a deep way. Um, but I think that, you know, if you speak with most, you know, it's, it's rare that you find someone that is just working within one tradition and not influenced by any other practice. You know, I mean, I know plenty of people that study Kabbalah and study hermeticism and, um, you know, uh, 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 they're astrologers or, you know, there's so many different, um, sort of magical traditions and there's a lot of truth in all of them. 
And I think that, you know, by studying many different traditions, you can sort of find the ways that they overlap and, um, you know, find the ways that they don't and decide for yourself, you know, which, what your own truth is based on those studies, I think. There's this uh, saying that uh, you shouldn't cross the line and make somebody love you if they don't. But is there this love potion legend? Is it any truth to that, you think? Um, yeah, I mean, love magic is absolutely a real thing, and especially uh, very much so within hoodoo. Um, I personally, it's not pers- something that I personally um, am involved, you know, do really, because I don't, I think that, um, I think it's a consent issue, you know, it's not so much a, a uh, it's not so much that I, you know, am morally opposed to it. I just, it's not something that I, that personally appeals to me at all. Um, I wouldn't be interested in making someone fall in love with me that didn't want to on their own, you know, sort of thing. But I mean, it's something it's in folk magic practices. It's a, yeah, people do work love magic, you know, often. You mentioned hoodoo, you know, most people know what voodoo is, but what's hoodoo? Um, hoodoo is a, is a folk magic practice that, uh, basically was born out of, uh, slavery. So basically, uh, you know, when slaves came to, were, you know, brought to America and they came with their African traditional religions and then their African traditional religions were sort of mixed with Christianity and mixed with, um, you know, a need to sort of be able to do things easily and with ingredients at hand. And it's basically a, you know, a series of folk magic practices that sort of developed out of that. And so, um, whereas voodoo is a religion, uh, hoodoo is basically just the practice of folk magic. And it often, um, will include things like working with saints and working with the Psalms and the Bible and that sort of thing. But, um, it's sort of a mixture of, of Christianity and Christian folk magic and African traditional religions. Do you have like a saint that's well known? That's, uh, very close to you that you always turn to. Um, I work with a couple of different saints. Um, the saints that I work with the most are, uh, St. Martha, the dominator, who was a saint who bas- who tamed a dragon <laughs> and um she uh she basically is called on for a lot of different things basically like mostly she's a saint that works with women and she helps women who are in abusive situations or need to sort of um uh stand up for themselves and uh you know if someone if their boss or their husband or whatever is being abusive to them, it will help them sort of gain control or it can just be used to sort of dominate a situation and she can be used, uh, called on just for protection for your family, that sort of thing. Um, another saint that I work with is St. Dipna, who is a saint that is, uh, basically she's someone that, um, is called on to help with things like mental health, um, like anxiety and depression and stuff. And so I, um, I know, you know, I suffer from that sometimes and I know people in my life that do. So she's someone that can be sort of prayed to and petitioned for with help with alleviating that sort of thing. 
And then another saint that I work with who is a big, big saint among uh, occultists is uh, St. Cyprian, who uh, is the patron saint of necromancers. (laughs) Um, He is uh, not someone that is... I think that he's not no longer recognized by the Catholic church, but basically he was a saint that, um, who was, uh, a necromancer and a sorcerer. And there was a woman, Justina that he fell in love with and he sent, sent demons after her to, uh, force her to fall in love with him. And she, um, rebutted the demons by making the sign of the cross over and over again. And so he saw how powerful, uh, the sign of the cross was. And so he converted to Christianity and some people believe that he, uh, sort of renounced magic and other people believe that he didn't, but, um, he's a saint that works, uh, with people that practice magic. And so he's one that I work with, but there's tons. I mean, uh, there's a woman named, um, Judica Isles, who's really amazing. And she wrote a book called, uh, Mystic Saints and Sages, I believe, which is like a, a, a huge book that catalogs like all the different saints that people work with, some uh, that are officially recognized as saints and then some that are more like folk hero saints. Like, for example, there's a saint, uh, Saint Gwynefort, who's a dog <laughs> that people work with, you know, so there's there's a saint for every sort of everything that you could think of. I thought we were going to finish with another track by... Um... A place both wonderful and strange, and the song is uh, Prom Night. Uh, can you talk a bit about this one? Yeah, um, so that's my uh, Russ, who's the other member of New Jack Witch, and also Shanda, who's the other member. And um, that uh, track is so basically, um, as for a place both wonderful and strange, has been doing a performance, a, a live uh, interactive uh, performance art performance that's a live soundtracking of the film uh, Fire Walk with Me, the David Lynch movie. And um, it was commissioned by the David Lynch Foundation, and they do uh, a performance of that. And so they decided to um, do a recording of the performance. And so that track was. Uh, their part like a, a single that was pulled from their performance of that so what uh, is the plans for the future with uh, new jack witch and and where can people uh, find you um so the plans for the future are we have um, a number of people that we're interviewing coming up uh we also um we have events like um yoga classes that we put on occasionally we also um put on dance parties too because we think that you know dancing is also a form of magic um so uh pretty much anything you can find us at newjackwitch.com uh and that will have a link to our facebook to our twitter um, Instagram, all of those places. Uh, so, and, um, we're hopeful, I'm hoping to start making more, uh, like products to sell too. I have a, um, I have some incense that I've been making and I've been learning more about making herbal medicine and that sort of thing. So that's something I'm hopefully going to be developing and putting in the store soon. And also we're just uh, trying to provide, uh, I'm trying to make it as a place where people can find resources about getting into magic. And so I have a resources page there that has links to a lot of the people that I've been talking about and their sites. And I'm hoping to build that up too, so that people can go there and find out more about where they can learn about magic and witchcraft and that sort of thing. So thanks a lot for taking the time to be on the podcast. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Freedom is in the mind. 